Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. Amen. Grab your Bibles, Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And I want to talk with you uh, today uh, about considering our ways. God's Word uh, is so beneficial. So beneficial in our hearts, so beneficial in our lives. Sometimes it encourages us, sometimes it instructs us. This week, as I was working on what I knew the Lord wanted me to, to talk about, the Lord began to just work on me. This is one of those messages that worked on me too. And so I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I'm completely fixed, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you I'm a lot more aware than I was before I began uh, preparing this message. And so uh, this message today hopefully will challenge us and help us to take a look inside. It's, it's a, it's a self-evaluation message as we grow in God. Now, uh, to lay the foundation just a little bit, um, in Haggai chapter 1, we get to the part there in verse number 5 where the Bible tells us to consider our ways. God was speaking that. But I want to kind of lay the groundwork just a little bit. There was, it, it had come time to take care of God's temple. It had come time to take care of God's work. And the Bible says that in verse number 4, God says this. He says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lies waste? And so what God was saying was, You're taking care of your stuff, but you're letting my stuff just falter and go away. And how many of you know that what we make happen for God's house, God makes happen in our house? And so it's kind of in this perspective that we have this scripture here in verse number 5 where Jesus, not Jesus, God was saying, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, He says, Consider your ways. So you're taking care of your stuff, but you're not taking care of God's stuff. So He says, Consider your ways. And then He expands on that in verse number 6. He says, You've sown much and bring in little. You eat much, but you've not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, but there's none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages, puts it into a bag that has holes in it. And so he's explaining to them, this is what's going on in your life. You know, here you are, you're saying, well, uh, I, I sow a whole lot, but I don't bring in very much. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I drink, but I'm not filled with, with drink. Sometimes I'm hungry and I don't get filled. And, and he says, and then to top it all off, you're making all, you're making all this money. You're saying, well, I'm making all this money. And it seems like that it just disappears. It just evaporates. You're putting it into a bag with holes in it. So right after this, this first scripture in verse number five, God says, consider your ways. Then he describes this scenario in verse number six. And then in verse number seven, he says again, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So what he was saying here was there's something wrong in the way you're doing things. You're not considering your ways. So when things like this begin to happen, then it's a sign to us that we need to take a look at the life that we live, at the attitudes that we have, at, 
at the scenario that's surrounding us. We need to take a look at our circumstances, and it's time for self-evaluation. It's time for personal reflection when we start experiencing things like this. So I just think it's important to point out that sandwiched in between consider your ways and consider your ways is this description. You've sown much, you bring in little, you eat, but you've not enough, you drink, but you're not filled with drink, you clothe, there's none warm, and you earn wages, and, and you're putting into, into a bag that has holes. So the message that God has for us today is that we need to consider our ways. There's things that God wants to build in you. There's things that God wants to do for you. But many times I've found out through the years that I get in my own way. That's really bad. But what's even worse than that is when I get in God's way. Because maybe some of the attitudes that I am having are attitudes that are not beneficial for the kingdom of God. For God to do what He needs to do inside of me. Maybe the belief system that I have, maybe there's something off in it. Maybe I've received instruction from someone that doesn't necessarily line up with the Word of God. And so here I sit and I'm living with that instruction. But when I start looking into the Word of God, what does the Word of God say about it? And so I have to consider my ways. I have to consider not only what I believe, but why do I believe it? Does it is it in the Word of God? Is it backed up by the Word of God? And, and I have to ask myself that. And the same thing with my attitude sometimes. Yes, I've served God pretty much my whole life. But the thing is, is there are times when my attitude has stopped God from moving for me. My attitude has. And so, so who should pay special attention to this message? I just want to kind of bring this out. Who should pay special attention to this message? I would say those at, the, uh, at greatest risk are those who either grew up in church or have been in church for years and years and years and years. And the reason is because we get to the point where all of a sudden we think we've got it all covered. We know it all. We become unteachable. And just because you were born in church, because you were raised in church, just because you've lived your life in the ministry, uh, in some sort of ministry, I mean, I know you're doing your job and, out in the, and stuff like that, but you've lived for God. And our lives are ministry. And so just because we're doing that and we've done it for years and years and years and years doesn't make us right about everything. And so we got to be careful that we don't become unteachable. We have to be careful that we don't become pompous, that we don't become arrogant. We have to be careful about those things. Let, let me put it like this. Don't let your experience inoculate you from the present reality of God's presence. Don't let your experience inoculate you from the present reality of God's presence because knowing about God and knowing God are two different things. Always be ready to learn. Always be ready to serve. Think, if, if you've been in, in church for years, if you've been in church your whole life, think of the value that you can offer God's kingdom. Think about that. But if you become arrogant... If we have these really bad attitudes and we become arrogant, it doesn't matter how valuable we can be for the kingdom of God. We become unproductive because 
It's not that we don't know what to do. It's that the spirit and the attitude. And a lot of times people that bounce from church to church to church, they bounce for a reason. When some people come in here and they, and they look at me with pride, they say, well, I've been in 10 different churches in the last 10 years. And I'm supposed to be impressed by that? And you're supposed to be impressed by that? No, no, you bloom where you're planted. But if you, if you take a plant, you put it in a pot, and seven weeks later you pick it up and you replant it into a different pot, and then seven, seven weeks later you replant it into a different pot and a different pot and a different pot and a different pot, eventually that plant's going to die. That plant, it will never produce fruit, but it's going to die. Well, I just didn't agree with what was going on in the, I just didn't, that preacher made me mad. That Sunday school teacher made me mad. I didn't like the way the, the pastor's wife was dressed and all that kind of stuff. Maybe the problem's in the mirror. Hello, hello. Because listen, listen. It's not about what we like or what we don't like. It's about what the Word of God says, and it's about the vision that's in the house. I tell young ministers all of the time, never try to get people to attach to you. You should never be a personality-driven church. People need to attach to the vision that God has placed in that house. They're not working for you. They're working for God. And they're working for that vision. And so we have to be careful. We have to be, be, continue to be able to be taught. We have to be able to learn. And we have to be available to serve, especially if we have all of this experience, we want to add value to God's work and kingdom work because we know that spiritual arrogance can sideline us. Now, being a true Christian means that we not, Christian means that we not only hear the Word, but we do the Word also. Here in America, we have a lot of listeners we do. We have a lot of listeners. We have some great teachers. We have some great Bible teachers. And, and we have some great preachers of the Word of God. They preach and teach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God that comes from them under the unction of the Holy Spirit can radically change your life if you put it to work. But you have to do what you hear in order to get what you heard. The doers of the Word are those that receive the benefits of the Word of God. And in America, we have an enormous amount of listeners and a very small amount of doers. Could you imagine what would happen if the sleeping giant known as the church in America would wake up and not do anything extraordinary, just live out their faith? Could you imagine the people's lives that would be changed, the people's lives that would be transformed? So in this spirit, I ask us, let's consider our ways. Let's consider our ways. See, the Christian life is full of markers. That means personal indicators of our walk. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16 teaches us that we need to be cold or hot because if we're lukewarm, God will spew us out of our mouth. Speaking of the church of Laodicea, the spirit of Laodicea has made its way into the American church today. We're in one and we're out the next and we're in the, ne in the next week and then we're out the next and then we're in the next month and we're out the next and, and, we, and we just bounce from here to here to here to here to here and we never seem to gain root. What we need to do is we need to say, Lord, where do you want me? And then we need to put down roots. Put down roots. I was moved by uh, Pastor Daniel Marengo. Uh, it was Friday. I think it was Friday morning. Uh, he and Pastor Angelo came and saw me. Daniel Marengo is uh, the, a pastor in Eldoret, Kenya. 
and uh, he pastors a good church there, a wonderful church. And he's also uh, going to be one of our satellite Bible colleges, Covenant Bible College and Seminary over there in Eldoret. And so we're in there talking, and he's talking to, him, to me about his church. And I said, uh, he showed me pictures, a beautiful church. They've built a beautiful church over there. And uh, surrounded by colleges, he said he's got about 50 uh, young people in his church that are attending some form of college, and he wants to give them a Bible college. And so, and so that's going to be part of uh, what we're going to assist him with. But anyways, so here we are. We're talking. And he, I said, this is a beautiful church. It's gorgeous. I said, you guys have built a beautiful church. I said, now, where do you live? And he said, well, I, I, I live, you know, I'm, I'm and he started, and uh, Pastor Angelo's like, tell him. I said, well, where do you live, Pastor Daniel? And he said, well, we've got a, a, a two-room house. And he said, it's uh, like on the main road. He said, about if you walk 50 feet out, 50 feet out of my living room, he said, you're just in the middle where thousands of people go down the road every single day. And Pastor Angelo, he's been over there. He mentioned to me, he said, it's not just a two-room house. It's like two sheds put together. He said, literally. I said, so you mean to tell me, I said, that this beautiful, this beautiful church that you have built, I said, that's gorgeous. I said, and you're living in two rooms. He said, well, my wife was poor and I was poor. And he said, we just had to make a decision. He said, either we build God's house or we build our house. And he said, we built God's house. I was so moved. I was so moved because there's a whole lot of people today that would have said, well, I'm going to get myself a good house. I'm going to build myself a beautiful house, and we'll just meet there until we get the church built. That's getting the cart before the horse, isn't it? And so, and so I pressed him a little farther, and I said, well, do you have any plans for the future, for a house for you? Can you live in the back of that beautiful church? Can you whatever? And he said, well, there's a piece of property that we're looking at and stuff like that. And he said, I would need to raise quite a bit of money to get the property. And he said, we want to build a mission house. There's like a, we want to build like a four or five bedroom mission house and stuff like that. I said, well, do you have anything in the works between now and then while the Lord's helping you raise the money to do what you need to do? And um, Angela looked at me and he looked at him and he said, tell him, Daniel. He said, well, he said, we have a friend here uh, over in Eldoret, and he said uh, he's got this beautiful four-bedroom home. He said it's got uh, restrooms and running water, and it has a, a beautiful kitchen, and it, it has a little uh, a fence compound and things like that because uh, Pastor Daniel, he's over like 113 uh, different ministers over there, and God is really raising his profile in that area and stuff, and it's becoming, I'm thinking to myself, it's becoming dangerous for his family because once God starts raising your profile. People don't understand ministers moving into gated communities and things like that, but you're not the one that gets the death threats all of the time. And sometimes the death threats aren't against you. They're against your family. And so um, he said, well, there's this, and he said, uh, he said uh, they want us to move into the house. And um, I said, well, how much does it cost? And he said, well, it's $300 a month. I said, $300 a month, and Pastor Angelo has seen it. He said, it's like a home you would get in Trinity. He said, it's a beautiful, beautiful home. And he said, we want to turn it into a mission house and stuff like that. And so God just pricked my heart. And, you know, uh, Pastor Angelo's group gives uh, our ministry about $200 a month just to help with the lights and things like that because they meet here on Sunday nights. And uh, I looked at Pastor 
Daniel and Pastor Angelo, and I said, Pastor Angelo, I said, I want you to redirect that $200, and I want you to make sure that Pastor Daniel Marengo and his family has a good home to live in that's safe. Pastor Daniel Marengo jumped up out of his chair. I didn't have a choice. He ran over to where I was and jerked me out of my chair and threw his arms around me and started weeping. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I got a text from him last night. Thank you for providing a beautiful home for our family. He said, it's a mission house. He said, now, any time that you need to come over, he said, you don't have to stay in motels or anything. Eldoret has an international airport when you fly into Kakamega, when you fly into Kasumo, which is other places that we have colleges. He said, you will fly into Eldoret. So he said, just come to my house, and you don't have to pay for motels anymore when you come to Kenya. I thought to myself, I need to tell that story because there was a very real choice. Do we build our house or do we build God's house? And they chose to build God's house. And because they chose to build God's house, look at what God has done for them. God has given them a great house. Life is full of markers, personal indicators of your walk with God. What if when God started pricking my heart, I would have said, well, I don't think that we can afford that and have this conversation with God. I don't think God would have been pleased with that. But I want you to, the reason I'm sharing this is because I want you to see the payoff. When a, when a Caucasian person goes to anywhere in Africa and they go to rent a motel room, Eldoret or anywhere else, then the price is double or triple what it would be for anyone else. And as soon as as I said, well, we want to take care of your family, then it's like God said, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to take care of you. What it would cost us to stay in a motel there for 10 days will pay for his home for a year. Do you see what God is doing? God turns around and takes care of his own. See, the devil wants to lull you to sleep because he don't want you to have these blessings. The devil wants your circumstances to lull you to sleep. I want to tell you something. Don't sleep your life away. Consider your ways. Those who are actively trying to draw closer to the Lord will manifest cooperative attitudes with the vision of God. They'll manifest cooperative attitudes with the Word of God and they will work for unity with God's purpose and God's plan. Now, you say to me, how can I live like this? How can I live as a disciple? How can I consider my ways? Well, first of all, you need to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. That means you need to become a fully developing and devoted follower of Jesus. Well, how do I do that? You read your Bible. That's where you start. You read your Bible. Read your Bible every single day. Listen to godly teachers. Listen to godly preachers who minister under the anointing as much as possible. Listen to Christian music more than you listen to other kinds of music. Some people say, well, I don't think you ought to listen to any music that's not Christian music. Then you ought not to watch any movies. Because even your Hallmark Channel saints out there, if you just shut the picture off, you're listening to music that's not Christian music. So if you're going to listen to something that's not a Christian song, make sure it's wholesome. 
Make sure it's wholesome and make sure it's morally pure and make sure that it's uplifting. Like a good country song. Good old, like a good old country song. <laughs> so, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. How can we influence our society if we're consistently absent from it? We're called to the lost. Jesus said, I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. And so you can't tell me that when Jesus went and ate with the publicans and sinners that they didn't have carnal music going on in the background. If Jesus would have showed up and said, turn that off, I'm too holy to sit here and eat that and listen, then he would have never won anybody to Jesus. We need to get off of our spiritual platitudes and our spiritual high horses when it comes to things like that and realize that I need to get myself full of God's presence. I need to get myself full of God's Word before I go out into the world. And when I go out into the world, I need to, I need to influence the world that's around me. But I don't influence the world that's around me by being critical of the sinners and their sin. I live for Christ in the presence of those that don't know Him. Then, we need to activate God's Word. We're talking about being a disciple. Not only do we learn God's Word, but we also need to activate God's Word. We've got to be careful about what we speak. We have to speak the Word of God. We have to speak our confessions. We need to, we need to speak what God's Word says about us. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. In the Amplified Version, it said, Let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Now look at verse 24. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another watching over one another, and study how we may stir up or stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. How do we put the Word of God in our life? How do we get the Word of God activated in our life? We speak out the Word of God. We speak what God's Word says about our situation. We speak life. We speak blessing. We speak favor. We're not all the time trying to find what's wrong with the world. We're constantly seeing what's right. So I've had people approach me through the years. God's called me to be a leader. Well, how do you know God's called me to be a leader? How do you know God's called you to be a leader? Well, can we have a conversation sometime? Sure. So we'll have a conversation. We'll sit down. And they'll show up with an entire list of things that they see that they think needs to be changed. And I look at them and say, that's not leadership, that's a critical spirit. That's a critical spirit. And so we got to be careful that we're not having a critical spirit when it comes to our brothers and sisters. The Word of God says that we're supposed to give continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we can stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. And in verse 25 it says, Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. So how do I activate the Word of God? I speak out His Word. 
I'm going to speak life into you. When I see you, I'm going to speak life into you. You know what happens if I see Tim all of the time and I'm always giving him a word of encouragement and I'm speaking life into him and I'm trying to build him up and I'm trying to help him, you know, make it another mile, not just with his head down, but with his head up and his shoulders held back. And you know what happens? Eventually, when he sees me, I'm going to start reaping what I've been sowing. He's going to look at me and he's going to say, Pastor, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? And I'm going to look at him and say, Darn Skippy. (laughs) Just like he does with me. It's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful day. It's an awesome day. It's a powerful day. And so when you look at people, well, I just don't like them. Well, probably the reason that you don't like them is because you spent more time grabbing about them than praying for them. You cannot hate someone and pray for them at the same time. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Speak life over your enemies. Speak good into your enemies. If you want, listen, if you feed negativity, you're going to reap negativity. But if you feed feed the Word of God and you feed encouragement and you try to lift each other up and encourage one another, if you do that, that's exactly what you're going to reap. So speak life, speak encouragement, and keep speaking God's Word. And then... If we're going to activate the Word of God, because we're considering our ways, right? So if we're going to activate the Word of God, maybe you haven't been activating God's Word in your life, but you're going to activate God's Word, then we need to pray God's Word. For every challenge in our life, we should have a list of scriptures. When I feel discouraged, I need a list of scriptures that I can pray. When I feel in despair, I need a list of scriptures that I can pray. If I don't feel good physically, I need a list of healing scriptures that I can pray. Right? If my wife's getting on my nerves, I need a list of scriptures that I can pray for me. (laughs) Keep a list of scriptures handy. And get yourself a prayer buddy. Listen, I'm getting ready to make a a statement that's going to revolutionize a lot of your lives if you'll listen to me. When I say prayer buddy, I'm talking about someone who likes to talk to God more than they like to talk about other people. Okay? Get a prayer buddy, not a gossip buddy. We're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to have a prayer meeting at my house. Okay, so you go to their house. How long are we going to pray? We're going to pray for an hour. You get there, 45 minutes. You're talking about everybody and their brother. Somebody says, well, I guess we ought to pray. And so everybody bows their head, and for 10 or 15 minutes you go through the motions. Well, you needed to spend about 15 minutes repenting. Right? Listen, getting together and talking about everybody and everything is not a prayer meeting. That is not a prayer meeting. That's a gossip session. And the Bible talks about that. And we're not supposed to be gossipers and we're not supposed to be backbiters. We're supposed to lift each other up. We're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to help each other grow in God. Then I want to talk to you about living more aware. We're talking about considering our ways, living more aware. I think a question that all of us can ask ourselves periodically is this, am I living right? Is that fair? We should ask ourselves that, shouldn't we? Am I living right? See, real Christians love, and notice I said real Christians, real Christians love the truth of God's word even when it hurts. Because they realize the Word of God 
is to change me. I don't change it. In my first church years ago, early 90s, I was preaching an illustrated message. I got myself one of those message Bibles. And uh, I, I like to read the message Bible. I see it more as a commentary than anything, but I, I enjoy uh, it, the take on it. And I'll read you a scripture out of the message Bible here in just a few moments. But I took the message Bible and I was preaching this illustrative message. And I was, as I was preaching along, I was talking about how that so many times if we don't watch it, we're, we're trying to look for a doctrine and we're trying to look for a gospel that fits into the way that we think and the way that we, you know, all that. And so I would read through that and I'd read something and I'd say, well, I don't like that. That's just not going to apply to me. And I'd just rip the page out and just water it up and throw it on the floor. And just kept doing that. And I, I'm just going through and I'm reading different things here and there. And I don't like that. I, uh-uh. No, no, no. I don't agree with that at all. In, it's in the Bible, you know, message Bible, but I don't agree with that at all. That just, you know, and I just rip it out and, you know, water it up and throw it in the floor. Before it was over, I had a Bible about that thin. And I held it up and I said, now here's a Bible I can live by. And then I thought, no, that's not a Bible I can live by. And this is back when the pulpits were big and you didn't move them around. And so we had a big wooden pulpit and had shelves under here. So I reached under the shelf, and I had already put it there, and I pulled out a Field and Stream magazine, and I put it inside that Bible. Then I pulled out another magazine, and I put it inside like a mechanics magazine, put it inside of that popular mechanics. Then I pulled out another magazine and put it inside. And before it was over, the Bible was thick again, but it was full of magazines and full of literature and things like that. And then I held it up, and I said, Now this is a Bible I can live by. And then I looked at the people, and I said, It don't work that way, folks. It doesn't work that way. God's Word tells us that if we're going to live right, that not one jot or one tittle shall pass. We are not to take away, we are not to add to the Word of God. You can't say, well, I just don't agree with it because it just doesn't go along with my moral compass. If the Word of God says it, we have to live by it. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, we've got to live up to the Word of God, Moses. We've got to live up to the Word of God. Hallelujah. I mean, live up to the Word of God. And let the Word of God change you. We'll never be able to change the Word of God. The Word of God has to change us. It has to transform us. It has to, it has to, to reach inside of us and take things out of us that don't belong there and reach back inside of us and put stuff into our lives that belong there. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The Word of God speaks, speaks and is alive and is full of power. It's sharper than a two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breadth of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and the purposes of our heart. That's what the Word of God does. Listen, if you go to church on a consistent basis and your preacher gets up there and preaches the Word of God, and it doesn't bite a little every now and then, then you might not be in the right church. Now, I'm going to tell you, this message bit me a little bit when I was putting it together. I'm like, wow, I need to consider my ways. I need to consider my ways. And sometimes the Word of God roots around inside of there and it cuts things out that doesn't belong and it helps make the way for things that do belong in there. So if I'm going to live more aware, I've got to ask myself, am I living right? 
Am I living according to the Word of God? And then the second thing I want to ask myself is, am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Which means, do I have an appetite for the Word of God and do I have an appetite for the presence of God in my life? Matthew 5 and 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now here's the message translation. I told you a few minutes ago, I was going to read you out of the Message Bible. Here's the message translation of Matthew 5 and 6. It says this, You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. I said, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. So I've got to ask myself, am I hungering and am I thirsting after righteousness? Or am I busy, I'm considering my ways. Am I hungering, am I thirsting after righteousness? Or am I hungering after things that feed my flesh and the desires of my flesh? Do I want God's word to change me? Do I really want God's word to change me? Or do I want God's word to change me only if it's convenient for me? I've got to consider my ways. I have to ask myself these kinds of questions. You know, you're already saved. You gave your life to Jesus. That's a done deal. You've given your life to Jesus. But as you continue to live for the Lord, there are things that has to be cut out of our life. There's things that God wants to add to our lives. And so we've got to grow in God. So then, because I'm considering my ways, I find myself in the book of Galatians chapter 5, Verses 19 through 23. And I either embrace or dismiss evaluating my walk with God based on these scriptures. I want us to look at them for just a moment. Verses 19 through 21 to begin with. says the works of the flesh are manifest which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are works of the flesh. So if I'm going to consider my ways, then these are scriptures I can't just skip over. They're in the Bible too. And so I need to look at what the scriptures say. And so I've got to ask myself, have I involved myself in adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness? What about idolatry? You know, one of the biggest idols in the world today, I'm holding in my hand right now. Right. If you get up in the morning and before you say hello to your spouse, you have to check your Facebook profile or your Instagram profile, then you have turned this into an idol. Right? You put a picture on there or something like that and, and you're watching it. How many likes? Like, 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 like. I think you ought to put an unlike button on there. But idolatry, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, and strife. And emulations is a competitive spirit. Uh, strife, you might be in strife with someone. Seditions, heritage. Her Heresies, envying, murder, and drunkenness, revelings is just wanting to fight all the time. Just all the time got a problem with somebody. All the time got to be in an argument. All that—that's that's revelings, revelings, and such likes. And 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 the Bible says if we do this, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what the word says. The kingdom of God is God's system and God's ways of doing things. You can you know you can live for God and not experience the blessing of God on your life. Did you know that? 
You can be washed by the blood of the Lamb and still not have the blessings of God on your life. You can take and work and work and work and work like we read in the beginning of the message, toss your money into a bag and then the Bible says that you're tossing it into a bag that has holes in it. You can have the blessing of God on your life or you cannot have the blessing of God on your life. We have to consider our ways. So then we go on, and then in verse number 22, the Word of God says, but. Look at everybody and say, there's always a but. Yeah, I didn't say, okay, I said there's always a but. That's what I said. All right, which means there's a choice. I can allow the works of the flesh inside of my life. I'm considering my ways, right? So I can allow the works of the flesh inside of my life or I can open myself up to the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The Bible said, Against such there is no law. So if I'm going to consider my ways, what am I seeing? Am I seeing revelings? Am I seeing strife? Am I seeing things that are opposite to the fruit of the Spirit, or am I manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Because I want to please God more than anything. I love Him. I want to please Him. I want to live for Him. He's the number one priority in my life. And so I don't want to be caught up in the works of the flesh. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And so somebody says, they say, well, you know, I can see a little of me in both. I can see a little of me in the works of the flesh, and I can see a little of me in the fruit of the Spirit. All due respect, then you're lukewarm. Then you're lukewarm. And you can go down the street and find somebody that'll tell you and smooth that over, but I'm, I want you to get to heaven and I want you to enjoy the journey. You need to hear this. You can't, you can't straddle the fence. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and straddle the fence. You know why? Because baby, there ain't no fence. You either is or you ain't. Come on. Bad grammar. Excellent point. You either is or you ain't. You either are or you aren't. But I like to hear you either is or you ain't. Because you remember me standing up here saying is or ain't, is or ain't, is or ain't. No. You're either going to manifest the works of the flesh or you're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And so you say to me, well, what if I'm manifesting some of the works of the flesh? Then, honey, that's what Calvary's for. That's why Jesus died. He died on Calvary to cleanse us, to wash us, to purify us, to redeem us from the curse of the law. Listen, there is no condemnation, but there is conviction. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And the Bible said the flesh wars against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and these are contrary. The flesh produces the works of the flesh. The Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. And so this is the battle that's going on right there in Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 23. You can see it spelled out right there. It's described for you. It's the battle that's going on. You're either carnal or you're spiritual. You're not part, part carnal and part spiritual. 
And so when I consider my ways, when I consider where I'm at with God, and I see things over here in the works of the flesh, then I repent of them and I say, Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me. I need you to instruct me. Well, I just can't quit doing some of those things. You know, that drunkenness thing, I just can't quit drinking my beer and getting drunk all of the time. I just can't do that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're trying to quit it on your own. You can't quit it on your own. You need a revelation of grace. Finished work. Amen. Grace. God's ability to do in you and for you what you cannot do in yourself or for yourself. So Lord, I make myself available not just to experience your grace, but I make myself available for your grace to work in me and through me and around me. I just want to swim in your grace. And when that happens, when you need a little help, you just say, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm closing here today, living responsive to the move of God. Embracing the promises of God. I want to talk to you about that. When we consider our ways, our ways, are we responding to God? Are we responding to His activity in our lives? Am I responding to God? I mean, am I reading my Bible uh, enough? It's, it's not by works. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about getting the Word of God in you. Okay? So am I giving God something to work with? You know, I'm getting the Word of God inside of me. Am, 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 am I positioning myself where I can be responsive to what God is wanting to do inside of me? And so in my life, am I open to the guidance of God? Am I open to the direction of God? Am I open to God saying, I need you to go here and do this, or I need you to go there and do that? Or here's a big one. Am I open to God saying, quit it! Because there's times when God will say, quit it. I've heard God say, Johnny. Yes, Lord. You know, I've heard that in my spirit, obviously. Only heard the voice of God twice uh, audibly. But in my life, am I open to God guiding me? I want to be open to that. I want to live my best life for God. I do. And in order to do that, I have to allow Him to guide me. Am I responsive in worship? Am, am, am I spiritually aware of what God is trying to do? Not just in a worship service when they're singing the songs. It's pretty easy to worship on Sunday morning if you just engage. I mean, you just got to engage and it's pretty easy to worship. But I'm talking about on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I'm talking about the rest of the week. I'm talking about just living a life of worship. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, listen, the same God that can jack you up from the floor up on Sunday morning is the same God that can jack you up from the floor up on Monday morning. Whoever invented the Monday blues, it don't have to be the Monday blues. Why didn't they call it the Monday green or the Monday red or whatever? They call it the Monday blues. I, no, 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 we don't have to have the Monday blues. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Another week to live to worship God. Another week to live to experience the blessing of God. Another week for God to increase me. Another week for God to use me to increase other people. Hallelujah. In worship, am I spiritually aware? Or is my life just one big, Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. 
and somebody walks up to you and they say, what's wrong with you? You're like, want to go to church with me Sunday? <laughs> you kidding? Why in the world would they want to go to church with you? You look like a cow stepped on your bottom lip. Looks like somebody grabbed your lip and pulled it over the top of your head. I mean, yours, you got such a big frown. There's no way in the world. Why would someone, and you're, oh, I gotta go do this, and I gotta go do that. Your life is worship. Your life is service. Live it for God. I work for somebody else. Ultimately, you work for God. Work for God and watch yourself get promoted. <laughs> wow. Wow. So in worship, am I aware? And then living responsibly to, to the move of God. When not, not only in my life am I open to God leading me, and not only am I spiritually aware when it comes to worship, but what matters to God needs to matter to me. What matters to God? Jesus said this, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what matters to God. Global evangelism, global missions, global outreach, the global proclamation, dissemination, publication, all the other Asians. That global scope belongs to God. That, that matters to God. That matters to God. Somewhere in the world, within the last 24 hours, we've turned down the lights and had the nice music and all of this kind of stuff. But somewhere in the world, they've turned up the lights and had little bells. And to them, that's just as cutting edge as what we're doing here today. The beautiful thing about it is the preacher got up and still preached from the same book. The same message that changes people's lives, that transforms people's lives. Why are you bringing all these different people in from all of these different nations? Well, first of all, because we're the home of Covenant Bible College and Seminary now, and we have people all around the world who are now looking to us for global leadership. That's number one. And number two, it's because global missions is the heart of God. It's the heart of God. And so we embrace it and we live responsive to the move of God. Last scripture, Psalms 139. Let's stand. Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24 says this, Search me, O God. Search me. I want you to close your eyes where you are right now. I'm going to read this scripture. I want you to make it your prayer. Here's what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There's a little song that we used to sing in church. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me in your way. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. Make me more like you. This message today has been to the church. Now you may be here and you need to give your life to Jesus. That's wonderful. I want to help you do that. But this message has been to those of us who have 
given our life to Christ and have been living for the Lord. And God is saying to us today, consider your ways. I don't want you to live life where you drink and are still thirsty, where you eat and you're still hungry, where you put clothes on and you're still not warm, and where you earn and put your money in a bag and it's like there's holes. And God says, I don't want that for you. Consider your ways. Because I want you to drink and be satisfied. I want you to eat and not be hungry. I want you to be clothed and feel warmth. And I want you to live in prosperity. In the blessing of God. In, in the land of no lack. That's what God wants for us. But in order to do it. In order to achieve that. We have to consider our ways. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.